appreciate that. Uh, I'm Calvin Pearson. I'm a friend of Justin's. Uh, we have served together in church staffs and uh, uh, known him for, I guess, about, I don't know, five, six years, maybe more than that. I appreciate him, and when he asked me to come and fill in for him, it was a real honor. What I, I really liked is he said, I'm preaching through First John, and I want you to preach the next passage. Well, he's done that to me before. Uh, the last Sunday before COVID hit, I got to preach here, and then COVID hit, and everything went crazy, but I had to preach a passage from Romans that was really, really tough. Uh, this one's a bit easier. So I said, thank you, Justin. I appreciate you preaching through First John rather than Romans again. Uh, and so uh, we're going to be looking at that together, but I'm, I'm honored to get to be here. Uh, I am quasi-retired from church staff. I'm still teaching uh, in some seminaries and such like that. And we live uh, just about, oh, five miles that way. So we're close at hand, and uh, it is a, a pleasure to get to be here. I've met some new folks that I haven't met before. And, uh, of course, there's a whole host of folks that uh, I uh, have met before. Jamie, I didn't know you could talk that much. <laughs> wow, that was wonderful. Just plain wonderful. Thank you so much for doing that and sharing that with us. That, that was a special blessing. And uh, so uh, that, that was grand. And, oh, uh, youth camps. I'd like to go back and do that over again. They didn't have all that stuff when I was a youth. That uh, uh, we did have worship and we did have uh, the Lord, and so it was wonderful back then. I'm glad they had a great time this time. Uh, okay, and thanks for the worship. You guys are worshipers. That's good to hear. Good to feel. Good to be a part of you today. Uh, so thanks for that so much. Let's pray together. Father, speak to us from your word. And just now in your heart and in my heart, just utter a prayer that says, God, I really want to hear what you have to say to me today. Change me by what you're going to say. Father, I, I say that for myself as well. And then, then pray for those who are sitting around you. that they too would hear from you. And then if you would pray for me, that my words would just underline what God has already said. So Father, we're anticipating you speaking to us. Let us hear you, Father. Through Jesus. Amen. Justin has been preaching through First John, which is wonderful that you go through a book of the scriptures like that. And and, and and First John is about us having the absolute joy of living the Christian life. And the first part of the book is about walking in the light. In fact, it says, this is the message that you need to walk in the light. And that's what you've been focusing on the for the past few weeks. Well, today we come to another one of those, and this is the message. I want you to open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3, way back near the back of the New Testament. 
not the Gospel of John, which is kind of near the front, front of the New Testament, but in the very back, next to Revelation, or almost next to Revelation, you have 1 John, John chapter 3. And I want you to look in verse 11, because it says there in verse 11 of John chapter 3, give you a moment to find it there or, or get it up on your phone, whatever it might be. For this is the message. Now, you saw that earlier in chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message. And back then it was walk in the light, the joy of walking in the light. And now he's going to give us another part of the message that brings us joy. And that message is, it really is one of the first things you learn in Sunday school. It's one of the first things you should learn in life. Look at it in verse 11 of chapter 3, 1 John. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning. You've heard it a lot, okay? Here it is. That we should love one another. Straightforward, easy to grasp. We should love one another. But it's interesting how he phrases that command. He could have said, this is the message you've heard from the beginning. You must love one another or just love one another. But he, he says it in such a way that it's, we should love one another. And when he says it that way, the implication is, we're not quite doing it yet. We need to be doing this, but we're not, we should be loving one another. And that's the sense of it there, because what he does in the next few verses is he helps us deal with barriers to loving each other. I mean, loving each other, putting, putting someone else ahead of ourselves, thinking about their needs before I think about my needs, being more concerned that, that they have that glass of iced tea just the way they like it instead of me getting my glass of iced tea, but no, making sure they have it. I mean, simple loving each other. It's hard to do all the time. Oh, we do it some. It was fun to watch people greeting this morning and such like that and, 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 and asking about, well, what's going on in your life and such like that. So there's a lot of love here, but there's still a lot of barriers within us because we don't instinctively, automatically love each other. We have to work at it. And that's why he says we should love one another, but there's these barriers. We're going to see some barriers as to why we don't really love each other. Let's look at the first one. There in verse 12, we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the evil one, and slew his brother. For what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. He picks up on this Old Testament story way back there in the beginning of Genesis, where Cain kills Abel because Abel's sacrifice was acceptable to God and Cain's was not, and so Abel, or, so Cain kills Abel. Whoa, don't love like that. Well, that's not love at all. That's, that's well, he's going to tell us what it is. Let's keep reading here. Do not be surprised, brethren, that the world hates you. We're going to come back to that in a second. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. And the implication is instead of hating them. He who does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So he says to us, hey, don't be like Cain. And Cain hated. 
hated Abel for whatever reasons, some kind of reason. We don't know if he was mad because Cain's sacrifice was acceptable and his was not, or if he was jealous of him or what it was. But for some reason, Cain hated Abel. And, and God tells us, don't let hate stand in the way or get in the way of your loving each other. So that's the first barrier. I've got a little barrier here that I want you to think about. That this is the uh, first barrier that keeps us from loving, and that's hate. Now, what's hate? Well, hate is a, a intense dislike for someone. Hate is a uh, almost a presupposition that that person I don't like, I don't want to be around them. When I see them coming down the hall, I'll try to find another way to get to where I'm going so I don't even have to be next to them. When I'm in a room and they come in, it's just like, man, I've got to get out of here. I don't even want to be around this person. That's that intense hate. Now, we often think about hate uh, as just the very intense end of things, just a very, very, uh, uh, you know, that bad, bad, oh, I don't really, you know, I, don't, I dislike somebody, I don't really hate them. But my friends, there are many different shades of hate. Now, when it comes to colors, I, uh, I, I'm kind of a simplistic guy. I, I think there is, you know, there is blue, okay? And there is light blue, and then there is dark blue. And that's it, okay? That's, you know, in my mind, that's it. And some of us think about hate in that way. That, you know, there's light hate and kind of medium hate, and then there's dark hate. But, but, you know, just like with, with blues, I went to the store and got, you know, my soul. And I just, you know, I felt guilty because I took so many. I mean, there's so many more there. I love these. This is, uh, get it right. This is very navy blue. And then we have here, what do we have here? This is uh, Azure Lake. Uh, and now we got here uh, Brittany blue. And on and on they go. Just like. In the color spectrum, there's a lot of different shades of blue, a lot of different shades of hate. It can be that, that quick little, small little lightning bolt of, of hate that comes when that person cuts you off in traffic. And just, oh, oh. Or it could be that, that tropical storm brewing inside of you of bitterness and anger for something that happened years ago and it's just stirred and stirred and you absolutely abhor that person. Both are hate and everything in between. And you see what happens, that hate inside of us keeps us from loving. Well, well why do we hate? Well, a lot of times it's because we don't understand the other person. We, we think we know what's going on in their life. We think we know what's going on. And so we have this hate towards them because we think we know what their motives are. When I was teaching up the seminary, living up that way, up in Fort Worth, uh, I found out that a young man that was a student lived just around the corner from me. So I, I you know, talked to him and said, hey, let's, let's ride together. Uh, and so we drive into seminary together. Well, something happened when he got in the car. I could no longer get angry at drivers in front of me because after all, he's a student sitting here, you know. I got to, and, you know, I kind of shared that with him. He said, well, I struggle with the same thing. So we started calling my car the Grace Mobile. 
And when someone would cut us off, we would say, now, more than likely, that person uh, is late for work, and if they're late again, they're going to get fired. They've got a wife at home that's pregnant and a little two-year-old that's sick. And no wonder they, it's, it's okay, you can cut us off, it's all right. And, and, we, be, and we really did. We really began to, to do that so that we would not let that little, little strike of hate, little strike hit us and keep us from loving. We began to do that. But it's interesting. Do you see what it said here in the middle of this? Talk about don't let hate keep you from loving people. Don't be surprised that the world hates you. Another barrier to us loving each other and and loving those around us is when someone hates us. When I was a graduate student at the University of Texas, uh, a lot of the classes we had were small classes, so maybe 10 folks or so, and uh, had a lot of discussion. And most of the professors there, not all, but most of the professors there were, well, they, you know, they were either blatant atheists or they were functional atheists. That is, uh, God may exist, but he really doesn't have anything to do with this world. I mean, functionally they were. And I remember Listening to them, we you know the subject was not theology, of course, it was some other you know rhetoric and communication studies and such like that. But I remember there was one particular professor that whenever I would say something in the discussion, she always yes, but no, I don't really think. I mean, she was against everything I said. I, I could not please her. There was this animosity, and I remember thinking, how can she? And she was very intelligent and insightful in many areas. How can she be so hateful towards me? How can she be so different than me? And how can she reject and have such a different view of morals? And God began to show me something. She has a whole different foundation for life. If you don't think that God exists, or if you think that God exists, but he doesn't have nothing to do with this world, how do you come up with morals? Majority. I mean, what other choice do you have? If God doesn't step in and say, here's what's right and here's what's wrong, somebody has to decide that. So the majority or the person with the biggest stick does that. And if you have that as your foundation, her belief makes absolute sense to her. And my belief makes no sense to her. This past week, I heard a, 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 web, a webcast, uh, podcast, not webcast, podcast, and, and a theologian was talking about how our culture is changing, and something we've got to be aware of as Christians, this whole thing about the way that family is changing and the way that our culture is looking at family differently, this is not just a matter of two different opinions. It's not like, okay, we think that here's what a marriage should be. One man, woman, one woman, you know, biological man, biological male. That's how you, you know, that's what it is. And they're saying, no, it's just kind of anything you want it to be. And, and we're going, well, that's a difference of opinion. And that's a difference. No, it's much deeper than that. They think that it is ethical to say what they're saying. They're on a moral, they're doing what they think is morally right, just like we are. So it's not just, I'm over here and I kind of think marriage ought to be a little bit different. No, they're saying this is exactly what it should. What else would you come up with if you don't have God stepping in? And so when I began to to, to better understand where they're coming from, 
the barrier of my hate towards them began to diminish. And I began to say, they're not stupid, crazy people. I think they're wrong, but they're not stupid and crazy. If you have the, the, the foundational belief that they have, of course you're going to believe what they do. Of course, that, and, and, and it's not like, well, you're so stupid. No. And I began to be able to respect them in a way that I hadn't before. So this barrier of hate, and by the way, Cain and Abel, brothers. This hate that I'm talking about, that the, the Word of God is talking about, isn't hate that happens outside there. No, this happened in the kitchen. This happened in the backyard. This happened in the garage. These were brothers. So we can hate each other. And remember that spectrum. You know, I don't think anybody in here hates it, that evil kind of, kind of hate. But all my friends, we've got to be careful. Those little bits of Hate that come in are barriers to us loving each other. And God wants us to deal with that barrier. That's why he's bringing all this up. That's why he said, for what reason did Cain slay Abel? The reason, the barrier, what's, what's inside of him that kept him from truly loving? Instead of hating, we need to try to understand. Instead of hating, we need to say, okay, Lord, Help me to see things from their perspective. That doesn't mean that their perspective is right, but it means I can better understand where they're coming from and I can better grasp what's going on in their life and I can, can be respectful of them in a way that otherwise I couldn't. So don't let hate be a barrier to your, to my enjoying loving each other. God doesn't say, I want you to love each other because that's, you know, that, that's tough. I know it, but, you know, you just got to do it. You know, just, ah, you know, it's a mean thing you have to do. We're going to love each other. No. He's saying, I want you to love each other. Why? Why? Remember what he said right at the beginning of 1 John? These things we write so that our joy may be complete. He wants us to enjoy life, enjoy loving each other and hate inside of us is a barrier to that joy. Yeah, just, just, come on. Get rid of that hate. There's another barrier. And you're going to say, how many cones you got back here? Well, I'll let you, just one after this, okay? So don't worry, for there's not six back here. But we got another barrier, okay? Look at the next verse, verse 16. And we know by this, that he laid, we know, we, excuse me, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. He laid down his life for us. Now, you've been going through 1 John. 1 John is filled with the fact that we were sinful. You know, Blake alluded to it about, and, and about uh, the, the identity we have in Christ. Uh, we were sinful. God forgave us of that sin and gave us a new life in Christ. He laid down his life for us. We deserved punishment. We are sinful. And you may say, wait, wait, I, I, I'm not that sinful. I'll stop and think about it. 
uh, you know, when I, I begin to think that I'm not that sinful, just stop and, and just do the math on it. I have got a little bit of an engineering bent in me, not a whole lot, but a little bit in there. And if you just stop and think, okay, how many sins do I commit each day? You know, be gracious. Uh, only 10, let's just say, okay? Uh, well, that's 70 a week. That's 300 a month. That's, whoa. He laid down his life for this sinful man. And who is he? Well, it's Jesus. Uh, Friday, I spent some time with, we spent some time with some dear friends of ours, and uh, he told me a story that um, when his son was in Afghanistan as a Marine, he was back here in the States, he was eating lunch one day, and he looked over and he saw a couple of Marines, apparently recruiters, because they were in the full, you know, uniform type of thing, having lunch, and so he called the waitress over and said, I want to pay for, you know, for those, the lunch for those Marines there, but don't tell them who did it. Just pay, you know, okay. So this waitress went back and, and she came out and, you know, he could tell what was going on. And, you know, she told him, told the Marines that somebody paid their bill. Well, they stood up as they were going out and kind of looking around to try to figure out who it was. And he just, you know, didn't make eye contact kind of thing. Well, he told his Marine son about this. And his Marine son got all ticked off at him. Dad, you should have told them. They wanted to know who paid their debt. Do you know who paid your debt? The one who was at the beginning when this world was made. Want to know who paid your debt? The one who created everything that exists. Want to know who paid your debt? The one who is equal to God and is God. Want to know who paid your debt? The son of God. The little girl that, <laughs> that ended our little video where she went, wow. That ought to be our reaction. And when it is, when it is, we can truly love each other. You see the barrier? What stands in the way? We forget about who Jesus is. We forget how great and powerful he is. We forget the sacrifice that he gave for us. And when we have that in our minds, when we remember that Jesus, the Lord of the universe, paid my debt, we can say, yeah, I, I can love others. If he loved me that much, I can love other people. See, a barrier that we have to loving each other is we forget and don't appreciate what Christ has done for us, how much he loved us. Don't let that barrier stop you, stop me from, from the joy of loving each other. Keep the death and resurrection and who Jesus is fresh in your mind. The worship songs today, that's the way of keeping that fresh in our minds. As we sing a lot of that stuff over and over again, nothing but the blood and all those kind of things, that needs to be fresh in our minds because when it's fresh in our minds, it takes down the barrier in our hearts so we can truly love each other keep going here there's another barrier to love but let's 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 not let the familiarity of Jesus and what he's done for us keep us from deeply appreciating what he's done so that so that barrier's not there so we can truly love each other and let's look at the last one aren't you glad the last one I'm not, I'm not I'm not quit yet okay so don't don't get hopes but the last one here we go look at it there Verse 17, but whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need 
and closes his heart against him. How does the love of God abide in him? If you're unwilling to share what you have with those in need, there's this barrier. There's this barrier to you being able to love them. Call it materialism, if you will. Call it a love of stuff. Call it the worship of stuff. Of course, we in this culture don't struggle with that. Oh, my soul. Don't we, though? Don't we, though? I was preparing this sermon, and, and, and God so often does this. He says, uh, Calvin, I, I, yeah, I know you're working on this passage, but... Uh, I, I, want to, I want you to experience something here, Calvin. So let me tell you uh, how this barrier got in my way of loving. The, uh, there's something called uh, mission dignity. It is a subset of a financial organization that Southern Baptists are a part of, and you know, we, we pastors and staff members can contribute to this financial thing as part of our retirement and such like that. And it's a wonderful organization and, and, and financially sound, and they invest in good and proper things. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I've been a part of that by God's grace, and, you know, I've got a retirement fund. And uh, so that, it's called Mission Dignity. Now, what, excuse me, that's called Guidestones, but Mission Dignity is a subset of it. And Mission Dignity is this. They're aware that there's, particularly in, in past years, churches did not adequately provide for pastors' retirement. They just kind of didn't think about it. And complicating that even more so in the past, pastors lived in parsonages. So when they retired, they not only didn't have a retirement account, they didn't have a house. And so it really created a lot of uh, difficulties. And Mission Dignity came along and said, for these particularly widows of pastors who are in this kind of situation, we're going to supplement their income through this fund that we've created. About every quarter, I would get a letter from this organization that said, yeah, mission dignity is going on here. Don't you want to put some of your retirement funds into what's here, or do you want to contribute to it? And I would read that, and I would say, no, I just kind of dismiss it, just kind of set it aside. Not being mean, just, you know, you know, I give other ways, you know, kind of thing. About a month or so ago, a lady who we know that is a widow of a pastor in a very similar kind of situation that I described um, she called me and said, Calvin, would you recommend me or be a recommendation for me uh, on for Mission Dignity? I'm, I'm applying to that to get some funds because it's, I'm, I'm, I'm running out of money and I don't have any more income. Well, I said, sure, I'll be happy to do that. So, you know, the, the little thing came in the email. Do you recommend this is a, a, a person of integrity and such like that? Yep, she sure is. She's fine, you know. Boom, done. Just a couple of weeks ago, car pulled up in my driveway. The sweet little lady got out, and she was kind of shaking, and uh, she had a, a, a two letters with her. So I went out, Jan came out, and she said, I want to show you something. She's tearing up. She opens up the letter and says, I've been accepted to Mission Dignity. And then she pulled out the other letter, the other envelope, and said, here's the first check. And she was just in tears. I had to go in and sit down and say, okay, Lord, I need to be giving to that, that group. I need to be giving because God made it crystal clear. God helped me see my brother in need. 
And instead of closing my heart by God's grace, by his wonderful grace, instead of closing my heart, it, it took a lady crying in front of me to get, get through to me. But by his grace, I changed, and I, I, I'm going to start giving monthly contribution to mission dignity so that more people like her can be, be helped. Don't let that materialistic, I own this, and it's mine, and I'm in control of it. And, and you know, it, there was a part of me that thought, you know, I, should I be given to that? Uh, yeah, I probably should because she can't. Uh, but, but I could use that. I might need that. I, come on, Calvin. God put it on your heart. Now just follow him and give to the need you see in front of you. Don't close your, because when you close your heart, it's a barrier to loving. And you know what? It was absolute joy for me to sit down and write that check to Mission Dignity. Now, lest you think I'm only in the last century, I do have a, you know, online giving and such like that, okay? But, but there was just something about physically writing that check and putting it in the mail to say, I am, I am doing something that God wants me to do. It, it, was, it was a joy. It wasn't like, oh, man, I could, oh, oh, oh. no. God wants us to live a joyful life. And that means loving each other. Don't let these barriers keep you from loving each other. One of the most significant events of the last century was when President Reagan stood there in Berlin and eloquently and powerfully said to the Russian, the Soviet Union, that block. And, but he directed it not just at the whole nation, but he directed it to the, the leader of that nation, Mikhail Gorbachev. And he said to him, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Folks, let's tear down the walls. Let's tear down the walls of hate. Instead of hating, try to understand. Tear down the wall of, of just taking Christ's death and resurrection for granted and appreciate that freshly every day and let, and let that love flow out of you because of that and tear down that wall of materialism that keeps us from truly loving each other and sharing with each other. Let's tear down the walls and let's step into the joy, the joy of loving each other. Now, we can't do this by ourselves. We've got to trust the Spirit of God that is in us to change us and make us new. But to get the Spirit of God, you not only have to appreciate what Christ did for you that we talked about, you've got to trust Him as your Savior. You've got to trust Him with your life. And if you haven't made that decision to take that step to trust Jesus with your life, with your salvation, do that this morning. And then because you do that, God's Spirit comes in and empowers you and empowers all of us to truly love each other so that we can have the joy of loving each other. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you that you have told us some things about us, about you too, of course. And Father, you're, you're helping us see these barriers. And oh God, 
Oh, God, let, let us take them down today. Father, if there's some folks here that, that are struggling with hate, oh, God, some folks in my own life, Father, help me to see where I'm hating. Help me to see where I'm not loving. Help me to see where I'm not appreciating you as I should. Help me to see where I'm closing my heart to those in need. And Father, I pray that for myself. I pray that for all here, Lord, that we would truly step into the joy of loving each other with no barriers. And before we close this prayer, if you haven't trusted Christ as your Savior, if you haven't made that decision to say, I'm going to become someone who is trusting that Jesus died for me to make me right before God, oh, I would encourage you to do that today. I'd love to talk to you about it. Uh, after the service, there'll be people mingling around and we'll be chatting and greeting and such like that. Be patient. I, 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 will get, I will find some time for you. And if not me, Blake or some of the others that have got a name tag on, Justin and some others, we would love to talk to you about that. Don't leave here without knowing that you can trust Christ as Savior. And if you need to do that today, please do that today. So, Father, may you work in our hearts. And thank you that I can pray so broad and generally like that. But you, you can laser it. You can do stuff that, that we don't even know about. So we trust that you are at work through Jesus.